We have created illusions to justify where we're at, basically, you know. To try so to make ourselves comfortable in, in where we are and not wanting yeah, to change. Or not yeah, instead of change or, or hearing what real truth I need to know to be able to make the journey toward, I just accept this is it. This is good enough. This is how it is. And that's a self-defeating philosophy. Hey there, this is Ruben from the Breaking Trail podcast. This is where you learn to navigate life's journey through ancient wisdom. And the journey of life requires us to understand what life actually means. So in today's talk, you'll have a solid understanding of how you can actually live a life that makes you feel truly alive. So I'm really happy to have you here, and I know that this will be very useful for you. Let's begin. Well, what would be your signature drink? What would be my signature drink? Yes. Yvonne Chai Tea. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Yvonne Chai Tea. From the hills behind me. Specially fermented picked, and... Picked on location. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with a little pine pollen floating on top. <laughs> We're uh, going to start on the topic of life. Okay, we that's a topic that you've you've we've been discussing around it and we've mentioned it in brief, but you know, I wanted us to maybe go into more uh in-depth discussion of what life actually is, which is a question that scientists not even have a clear definition to. You know, I was <laughs> I was googling around and I and I found that basically, actually, there is currently no consensus regarding the definition of life. That's what it says on Wikipedia. And there's I hold I read full articles where they were discussing different ways to define life. In 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 some definitions, you would you would even uh, classify snowflake of being life. <laughs> Really? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you can put your label life on anything. <laughs> yeah. You know, some people think whatever gives me pleasure is life. I like that. You know, oh, this is my life. Mm. You know, surfing is my life or this new girlfriend is my life or, yeah. you know, my, my passion, whatever it is directed toward is my mm. life. I mean, you just throw that word around, kind of like love. Kind of like, you know? I was just, just gonna say that because people say the same. Yeah. I love going out surfing. I love the ocean. Yeah, mm. but there's a difference in love, and it's my life. It's like that's that's my existence. That's my life. You know. Mm. I remember one time a friend of mine. I was living in in where I home base still, but very rarely there, Crested Butte, Colorado, and so. High elevation, little mountain town. There's a ski resort there. It is one of the two places on the planet where mountain biking actually started. And everybody in the town's an outdoor athlete. Everybody. I mean, you don't live there if you're not. There's no reason to live there. It's like 3,000 people. It's nine to ten months of winter. It's like, you know... It, there's there's no conveniences compared to a city, you know. There's no stoplights. There's no fast food restaurants. Is, you know. 
Not, so, nothing exciting it, for the ordinary man. Just <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, except a few bars, you could go and, you know, just feel your passion of an alcoholic or something. But, <laughs> but I mean, really, I mean, the reason to live there is the mountains, hmm. to ski, to mountain bike, to hike, to climb. And, you know, in the close proximity, it is white, <clears throat> white water rafting and hmm. et cetera, et cetera fishing and hunting and whatever whatever wow. so anyway <clears throat> this uh i was a friend of mine he was one of the original personalities in mountain biking he developed a lot of the trails around there and he's in the mountain bike hall of fame and et cetera, et cetera. And i was living with him mm-hmm. and uh so we were t- one time the subject of another resident of town his name is dave and, you know, he, he's deep into, you know, big stuff. Mm. I mean, he's physically just absolutely fit. He, he's climbed some 7,000, 8,000 meter peaks in Himalayas. And, I mean, he's on this level, you know. And so <clears throat> his name came up, and I said something about, we had just gone on a ride, and he was a part of it. It was a group ride to celebrate. Anyway, it's a long story. I won't get too deep. But anyway, I said, yeah, Dave was was there, and, you know, he showed up, and he said, yeah, but he's not really a mountain biker. I said, he's not? I said, wow, he rides pretty good, man, and he's so strong. He can just climb up anything and whatever. You know, he said, no, he's not really a mountain biker, man. I said, why he's not? He said, because he doesn't lay in bed at night and look at his bike. (laughs) (laughs) That's the definition. (laughs) I mean, that's where you're deep, you know. Uh Yeah, he goes mountain biking, but he also runs, and he also goes to the Himalayas. he's He's not like really totally all in on mountain biking that's uh, all in i mean that's a that's a strict definition that that, that must be uh, like a really outdoorsy town if that's <laughs> like the extent that you gotta go to be really into something yeah hmm. yeah so that's uh that's kind of like the idea this is my life you know you know his mm. life is all over the place kind of thing mm, yeah, yeah, yeah you know but my life is this mm. And I remember when I served, you know, I could probably say the same. Yeah. That was my life. Was, that's that's the reason I got up in the morning. I was just going to ask, yeah. You know, and I can remember going to bed at night and wanting to hurry up and go to sleep so I could hurry up and get up. Oh, really? <laughs> and keep <Yeah>. surfing. <laughs> and go surfing. Oh, wow. You know. <laughs> so, you know, but anyway, the idea is it's loosely used and it's not really defining what life is. It's more like an interest. It's more like something that you just totally into. Well, it gives you a reason to be, mm. you know. And a lot of people say, I have no life because they don't really have that passion for something. That's true. Mm. You know, it's like they don't really have anything that really motivates them and drives them and consumes them. And that's People say that like an insult as well. Like, man, you have no life. Like, get a life. Yeah, yeah. yeah get a life means... Get something that's that's involving you. Leave me alone. (laughs) You know, usually that get a life thing is when somebody's hassling you in one way or another. And you say, just get a life, man. (laughs) Be happy. Be satisfied. And just 
get out of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I can become you satisfied <laughs> because you're disturbed. Yeah. 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 So, but anyway, again, as always, we're speaking from the platform of Bhakti Yoga and, and the Vedic knowledge that we have studied and acquired a small portion of over many years. And uh, it defines life as our very existence, you know. And there's two categories of energy. And energy is a big uh, subject now among people. Everybody mm -hmm. talking about, oh, do you feel the energy? Yeah. I'm into the energy or, yeah. you know, this, it's got good energy or, or bad energy or yeah. Yeah. whatever. Energy is a word that's used often. Or everything is and, energy or I hear that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And God is energy or whatever. Yeah. Mm. So anyway, there's two categories of energy, and it's true. Everything is energy. Everything. There's nothing that's not energy. Hmm. And the two categories are material energy, which is the whole material creation, you know, and there's various divisions of that, but the whole overall category is material energy. Hmm. And the other category is spiritual energy. And they're very different. They're very different in character and quality and symptoms and so on. Mm. So since everybody's immersed in the material world and surrounded by material energy, let's refer to that one first. Yeah. Material energy is characterized by one, a temporary nature. So everything in this world is temporary, including the material creation itself. Kind of like has a beginning you know, and has an end. Had a beginning. Idea. And it's also stated that everything has a beginning. That has a beginning also has an end. Makes sense. If it had a beginning, it also has an end. Hmm. So material energy is temporary in its manifestation. But on the deeper understanding, really material energy is eternal as well. It's not temporary, but it's temporarily manifested. So during the manifested stage, that manifestation is temporary. And then it kind of re-manifests again and again, kind of like the universe is... I mean, someone says like the universe is expanding, it's going to contract and it's going to be a big bang and then it's going to expand again and contract. And I don't know if that's... Well, that's, you know, that real understanding is it comes into being. In other words, it becomes manifest. The material energy, which has been unmanifested in a dormant condition uh, within the Supreme Lord, becomes manifested, you know, by the will of the Lord. And then we have this material creation. Mm. And it lasts a certain length of time, which is on a, our time scale unbelievably long, but it's long. Mm. But eventually that time period expires, yeah. and then it is a dissolution. Yeah. The non-manifested stage occurs. This, this material world is you know, destroyed, however you want to look at it. Mm. And then it's remaining in an unmanifested condition. Mm. It's kind of a... And so it comes and goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Mm. Just like our material body is, is material energy. Yeah. 
you know, and it comes into being at a certain point. It lasts for some time. It well, let's let's take it a little bit back. It comes into being, it grows. Mm. It lasts for a certain length of time, mm. produces some byproducts, dwindles, and vanishes. <laughs> and you can see that whether it's a human body or anybody, you know, mm. a tree or any of the animal species or whatever, that's the same. And then that matter goes again to create new bodies, yeah. basically. And I remember learning in, in physics in school that matter is never created nor destroyed. You know, it just changes form. Well, that's not really correct, but it's kind of got the same, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, idea. You know, mm -hmm. it's always been and it always will be in one stage or another, mm, manifested or unmanifested. That's true. But the next point about matter is it's non-living. There's no life mm. in matter. So, again, look at our material body. You know, as soon as death occurs, there's no life there. You know, the life has disappeared. And mm. now it's just matter like it always has been, but because it has this symptom of life, you know, then it was called, oh, the body's alive. The body's not alive. The body's always dead, you see. So let's go back over to the other category of energy, spiritual energy. Mm. And spiritual energy is the opposite of material energy. Material energy is temporary. Spiritual energy is eternal. Mm. See, Material energy is non-living. Spiritual energy is life itself. There is no such thing as live matter, and there's no such thing as dead spirit. Mm. So back to the original concept that we've presented several times. We are a tiny spiritual spark of spiritual energy. Or life. Or life itself. We are the life in the body. Hmm. We're minute in size. It describes, you know, in the Vedic literature that we're, you know, atomic in size. Hmm. And then it even gives more details if one wanted to go into that. The size of us, <laughs> you know, is if you take a hair, a human hair, and you divide it into 100 portions from the tip into 100 portions, and you take one of those and discard the other 99, mm -hmm. and then you divide that into 100 portions. So now you've got one ten thousandths. Mm -hmm of the original tip of the hair. hair, and then you turn it on its end and look at the tip. And that's the size of the soul. That's the size of us. That's how big we are. That's why I describe the soul as immeasurable. Because, you know, you can't measure something that small. Mm -hmm. It can be described in the Vedic literature because this is handed down absolute knowledge. But if you went out there with your tape measure and tried to measure it, <laughs> you couldn't even see it, much less do it. So it's not really de detectable by, yeah, like ordinary ways to detect things like microscopes and all of these. Yeah, yeah, it's too mm. small. You mm. know. And another undetectable feature is you can't see it. 
with the material senses. Mm. You know, you can't see spirit with the material eyes. And, and, and that's, I think, like a key area where we have to understand that we can't really trust what we see only with our eyes. I mean, only, only like, look at the magicians. They do things and you, they trick your eyes and you really think that what they're doing is real, but it's all fake. Like, we think what's real is what our senses take in. And that's it. That's like the whole deal. Yeah. And Which, what we can't experience with our senses, we reject as yeah. not being true. Yeah. <laughs> so... Here we are, we've got this tiny spiritual spark known as a spirit soul. And another point to understand is that that individual particle of spirit that we are is eternal. It never changes. Mm -hmm. I don't become someone else. You know, sometimes people talk about, oh, he's a old soul, yeah, yeah. you see, or he's such a big soul yeah, or yeah. a small soul or whatever. In other words, they put sizes and ages on that which is eternal and never changes. Mm -hmm. See, that's why I saw it's, it's also described as changeless, you see. Mm. So <clears throat> that's the life in the material world. All these spiritual sparks which inhabit various forms of matter are the life of the material world. And that's what, you know, gives the world life. I mean, I see the, the forest behind you. Yeah. And, you know, there's a spirit soul in each one of those living trees. There may be some dead trees out there. See, that means that spiritual person has left that particular body. And now it's just a dead tree. Which and is, as we know, it doesn't last very long at that stage. That's true. The decomposing you know, and all this. It, yeah. It decays mm. and the bugs and the other, you know, things that feed on that tree after the, the funguses and so on. The birds mm. come and, you know, peck it to get the worms that have, in, you know, invaded it and so on. Mm. And then quickly, you know, it, it just falls down and deteriorates completely, rots, as they say. It's a rotten tree. Yeah. And then it goes back to the dirt. Well, so, so, so that's, a, that's a different way of seeing. Like, even if you, even if you, I mean, I took a quote here from some article they were writing about life, and they said that life is living matter. <laughs> and it said that life is matter that shows certain attributes that include responsiveness, growth, meta metabolism, energy, transformation and reproduction uh, and and they say that the word life might be better uh, to as a as a verb to reflect this essential status as a process so they yeah you know, the but what is that life and what happens to that life to make the tree die in other words what point does that yeah. Life quit being life. Exactly. When does it quit living? Exactly. <laughs> and 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 what caused that? And, and where did that go, or what happened to it? Yeah. You know. So it's yeah. vague. It's like some understanding, but not a full picture. That's true. You know, that tree or whatever the organism is that's displaying those qualities, it's because there's that 
spiritual person inside that particular matter, form, body, mm. etc. That gives rise to the symptoms that were uh, mentioned. Yeah, yeah. You know, so mm. the symptoms of life of the soul are displayed in different ways in different organisms. You know, like in a human, it's displayed, you know, in many ways that the tree can't display. Yeah. You know, in speech, in advanced sense perception, you know, in an advanced mental facility where I can think about these things. Mm. You know, that tree is not able to contemplate who am I. No. Or, gee, my fellow tree just, something happened. What happened to that guy? <laughs> you know, we were here for so long together and all of a sudden, you know, now it's just not the same guy I knew. And then it falls over and disappears. The tree doesn't do that. This is the point. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. the body it's in doesn't award it that facility. Right, right, right. So it displays life in different ways. It grows leaves. You know, it bears, you know, certain fruits. Or, you know, it has periods of the year when sap rises in it and periods of the year when the sap goes down and, mm. you know, a root system that, spreads around and uh, things that as humans we don't have that mm. see so different symptoms of life which means activity which means a functioning group of matter or a hunk of matter mm. takes place because that person's inside there so so in a sense it's it i mean from what i was reading it makes sense but it just explains it better because once there is responsiveness growth metabolism energy transformation or reproduction you can say with quite high, high probability that there is a spirit soul inside that that body right not high probability absolutely true <laughs> <laughs> without the soul those things do not take place you know, they don't take place. You can make a mannequin that's a, such an exact replica of a, a living human that you couldn't tell it apart except it doesn't grow, it can't replicate, it doesn't reproduce it, you know. You know, and of course you can stick a computer in there and program it and it can do yeah, lifelike yeah. things. Yeah. You know, it's interesting in uh, <laughs> in Canada, some guys made a computer that looked like a human, but not really, kind of like a, a robot-type-looking guy, you know. But they programmed it in such a way, it was all computerized, of course. Mm -hmm. They can program it in such a way so it would respond to certain situations in a certain way. Mm -hmm. They put this guy out on the side of the road <laughs> to hitchhike across Canada from the East Coast to the West Coast. Oh, wow. And so here's wow. this little <laughs> robot-looking funny guy, you know, and it, it was programmed to hail a car. Hey, hey, I need a ride, mate. <laughs> you know, and the cars would stop, and, you know, somebody, and it would say, hi, I'm going to Vancouver, you know, and wow. can you give me a lift? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the guys would go, yeah, sure, it was Kind of like so, they put it in the car and take it wherever they let it out. Maybe they take it home and spend the night, and it was programmed to communicate it to on a certain level, you know. And then the next day they put it out on the side of the road, and it would go further, and it made it all the way across Canada. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And you could say, well, this was life. This was the same thing. It wasn't the same thing because a real life programmed this whole scenario so it could take place. Yeah, so there's... You know, there was a, a real, you know, person with a, you know, active brain and intelligence yeah, and ability yeah, yeah, yeah. to create this, mm-hmm. you know. Like and a, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make artificial exactly, intelligence, exactly. you know, which has the same exact things as as real you know people yeah and and therefore you know maybe eliminate real people to some or a large degree (laughs) we don't need them anymore yeah you know easy to control yeah we can control these but then other people warn that the artificial intelligence creations can get out of control yeah and take over like the sci-fi movie yeah like terminator (laughs) yeah whatever you know so uh but that's a bit but anyway the yeah go ahead no that's that's a bit exaggerated scenario i mean i i think just like (laughs) i mean that's not the main problem with artificial intelligence like that it's going to be terminators taking over in the first no no but one of the ideas you know that has been put forth is that they don't really have, you know, this uh, sensitivity. They don't have compassion. Yeah, yeah. They don't have the qualities of mercy. They don't have that love, either potential or real. Mm. You know, in other words, these are human qualities, as we call them, although they're displayed in animals as well, that you can't create in the laboratory. You know, it, it's like, they, in other words, you could say they don't have a soul, yeah, mm-hmm. which is the living entity, mm-hmm. you know, and and they can't, you know, come to know and love the supreme soul because, you know, that's not part of their ability, you know, and so, you know, they can't decide what to do and what not to do because it's right and wrong from a from a moral, spiritual, yeah, yeah, internal yeah, yeah. message level. But, but but that is the core of the problem, isn't it? That if we allow more artificial intelligence into like social media, like we have nowadays, then those values are not inherently a part of the design of how this intelligence is trying to um, steer the wheel. You know, it just becomes like those qualities, those good qualities just become like, they're not a natural part of it. They're not part of the equation. They don't matter. It's just right. Yeah, optimizing yeah. the clicks and and getting you know people to. Yeah, and so those qualities which make life real are being you know consciously removed. Wow. So it becomes more of a mechanical, you know, arrangement. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and then you lose life. Mm. See, because life is ourself you know and so the qualities of life in in our scripture we study in bhakti yoga as you know bhagavad-gita you know there's a whole list of qualities they're called divine qualities that are you know the qualities that make life as we will say perfect Hmm. you know because it produces ultimate happiness ultimate love, ultimate satisfaction, and an ultimate connection on a real level 
a reawakening of the lost relationship with the supreme soul. Mm-hmm. So, if you remove that, which is being done, you know, in one way or another, it doesn't have to be artificial intelligence yeah, to do it. Yeah. We just cover those qualities up, you know, with, as we've spoken before about the modes of nature, you know, the mode of passion and ignorance actually covers up those goodness and pure goodness qualities. And, you know, then you have to replace it greed and lust and anger and, you know, avarice and jealousy and enviousness and you know, which, which which many people say is a natural part of like that's almost saying that that is like how we are by nature we have those qualities. That's what you hear, you know. No, we, that's how we are by nature if we're materially contaminated. Mm-hmm. See that that our true nature of the soul is contaminated with you know this lust and and false ego we've referred to before. And that is the result of that contamination. It's just like you could say, you know, sickness is is, a, is just how we are. It's natural for the body, uh, you know. Well, <laughs> if everybody's sick, you know, and everybody's weak and everybody's, you know, got headaches and so on, it's just normal. Yeah, it's natural. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that's just how we are. If you never knew health... And you had a whole society of individuals who never knew health, <laughs> free of all these symptoms of sickness. Yeah. You just conclude, well, that's just not normal. It's not anything unusual. That's, wow. you know. And somebody starts talking about health, and you say, "Come on, be realistic." You know, well, it's our nature to be sick. <laughs> well, that's you exactly know? how it is. I mean, it's gone into that level. You know. I know, and that's that's how that's how they justify it. But does the sickness of the body, for instance, since we were on that subject, yeah. does it make you happy? Does it make you feel good? No. You know, does it give you enlivenment? You know, does and it so make you feel dead? alive? <laughs> no. Yeah, you feel dead, and mm. you know, it's it's just we have created illusions to justify where we're at. Exactly. Basically. Exactly. You know. To try to make ourselves comfortable in in where we are and not wanting to change or not needing to change. Instead of change or or hearing what real truth I need to know to be able to make the journey toward, I just accept this is it. This is good enough. This is how it is. (laughs) And that's a self-defeating philosophy. I don't think maybe agree with that fully, but like what I'm going to say right now, but there's a book called <laughs> Happiness is a Serious Problem. And I guess he made that title because it's kind of catchy and you you know, what, like what happiness is a problem. But his idea is that like our being content with not being actually fully 100% happy and feeling life basically is, is a problem. <laughs> like our contentment <laughs> of just like having good enough. You know, not striving. Yeah, for yeah. The real thing. Well, yeah. If you don't, so you know, it's a problem. If you're trying to achieve it and you're not being successful, then yeah, that's the problem. Just be miserable and be good with that. Exactly. <laughs> you, know, and, you know, just join the club, man. 
You know, I'm miserable, you're miserable, and yeah, it's cool. But it's, it's not cool, and it's not because we know inside that's not correct. You know, I mean, one of the symptoms of, not the symptoms, but one of the survival uh, qualities, I can say, of the human is they can adapt to anything, yeah. you know. Say you have a tooth that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it starts hurting, mm-hmm. you know. But for some reason, you don't get it fixed. And it continues to, to hurt. But eventually, over time, you kind of just get okay with that. Yeah. It's just almost become normal. Yeah, yeah. Do you like it? No. But is it really bothering you like it used to? No, it's not. Because I've kind of adjusted to it. I've adapted to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like, Hey, you know, so we can adapt to anything. So does that mean it's good to do so? Would it be better to fix the tooth? You know, because that tooth decay actually affects not only that tooth and the nerves in it, but it spreads throughout the body and has all kind of adverse effects on, you know, the immune system and organs and whatever, whatever, whatever. You see, it's more than just that immediate tooth and pain. So is it better to fix the tooth? Yeah. But if you just don't do it, then you just, things get worse. And uh, There was a lady who told me this morning, I'm, I'm doing this yoga for, for a business like based online. And she, she said that she had had like really bad issues. Is that what it's called? When you have the issues? Bad what? Uh, Sciatica, sciatica, sciatica. Oh, sciatica. Yeah, yeah, sciatica. So she had, like, she she was in so much pain, and but she came to my yoga and started like doing yoga, and she was, she said she was so happy that she could now like go through it instead of what she had done with the pain was like taking a step back and like not being in her body at all, not being present in that, just like uh, trying to just put a tap on it, you know, just like forget it, don't <laughs> think about it, and the pain would eventually go a little bit better, like you say, because you don't really, it doesn't bother, bother you that much, but she was starting to do yoga, and she, she really appreciated it, that she, she could like really come back to it and, and deal with it, actually, because just like in Hatha, I mean, now I'm speaking about Hatha yoga, which are a combination of physical techniques and pranayama breathing techniques to help you have a more healthy body and mind, basically, but that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you know, it's it's two sides to this this story. One is you have to be very tolerant in the material world because there are a, so many things that cause us pain and suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, and and so you have to develop a tolerance mm. to the imperfect situation that we're in, and that includes the body. I mean, we have to. T- tolerate many things that happen in the body you know and if you can't tolerate it it drives you crazy you know so you know we have to be tolerant but at the same time understand this is the material world and that's the nature of the material world and it is the nature of the material world you know it's it's suffering and hardship it's temporary you know and there's all this, you know, r- complex karma that we have that's going to bring to us certain reactions. You know, some may be favorable, 
you know, or, or good, you can say, and some may be, you know, very unfavorable and cause us a lot of pain and suffering. And, some, you some, know, some would call that a very pessimistic life view. <laughs> you know, I'm just, <laughs> you know, it's, re you know, there's optimism, there's pessimism, and then there's reality. You know, so the optimist is the person who's kind of not in reality. He's thinking, look at everything from a positive angle, you know. And there's the person who's always negative and looks at everything from the bad negative angle, yeah. mm. see. But the real vision should be what's the reality here, mm. you know. That's where we should be. Not positive, not negative. It is what it is. But is it good, you know, for me materially? Is it good for me spiritually? You know, can I do anything about it to improve it? You know, it's it's just reality, hmm. you know. And if we can fix something, then fix it. Yeah, yeah. You know, if we can improve something, then improve it. Yeah. yeah. And... That's the nature of us anyway, trying to improve life, back to life. Yeah, That's yeah, where yeah. we started. <laughs> yeah. Improve our existence. And, and life includes our experience of our existence. So in the material world, we're experiencing, you know, through what? Our mind, our intelligence, our senses, the material world. And, you know... We get so wrapped up in that that we identify with our body and our mind, you know, and we think that's all life is, yeah. you know. And so that's where we place all our focus, you know, making, quote, life as pleasurable as possible and eliminating as much pain as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why we have all these creature comforts that have been, you know, invented and developed over the last especially 50, 60, 70 years, you know, to make life easier, yeah. you know. Mm. You used to have to go out in the field and dig the, you know, the earth with a shovel and a hoe, you know, and a rake. Now you got a tractor. <laughs> Why did you have a tractor? Make it easier. Yeah. You see? And... You know, why have a chainsaw to cut down a tree when you used to have to have an old handsaw and saw it down back and forth and it took a long time and a lot more effort. Yeah. Chainsaw, juke. Yeah. Why did they make a chainsaw? To make life easier. Yeah. See, So we're always trying to make life easier, but life is seen as our physical situation. Well, yeah, because you know? even even though you cut down the tree, faster now you instead cut 10 trees instead of one tree a day you know it's yeah just like, but if you're selling trees that's more money yeah but you don't end up with <laughs> more money now than you did before i think we don't you know someone else takes but the money all, your boss it, takes the money yeah 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 and everything costs more yeah. you know i can remember when 50 cents was buy enough gas in my old car to Drive a long ways because gas was 13 cents a gallon. A gallon. You know, that's four liters. You know, yeah, so that's... It's like, uh, like one Norwegian krone and, and everyone is in Norway. For yeah. Norway wow. For four liters? So, four liters. <laughs> yeah. I could not put $3 of, of gas in my car. It wouldn't hold it. It'd run out on the ground. Wow. You know? 
Sorry, uh, but, but so yeah, I, I'm I'm neighbor with a dog sledding. Uh, <laughs> so people have dog sleds, and the dogs are apparently quite annoyed now. So I need to close the window. <laughs> oh, because uh, I hear okay. some, a lot of background noise here. Just give me one second. Okay. I was thinking it was grumpy, maybe. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, I can tell but you. But the dogs were just—they were just talking. They were not—they they were not annoyed at all. They were really, yeah. really happy because the owner is taking them out for a ride right now. So they were so yeah. excited. Yeah. See, they're—they're <laughs> they're life. You know, that's their life. Yeah. You know, that's their their moment of happiness when they get to exactly. run in the snow exactly. and pull a sled. And they just long for that one period. You know, he he only does it like in the weekends because they have this hut up here in the weekends. And in the week they're in town and, you know, working and stuff. So the dogs only get to do this in the weekends. So this is their life really, like you say. It's like, yeah, so it's the same idea, whether you're in a dog body or a human body. You know, what gives you pleasure? You know, what is it that you can do that makes you excited, you know, and mm. gives you some juice. Exactly, mm. exactly. Makes you feel purpose so, and fulfillment. That's that's what everybody's looking for, you know. That's why maybe a new relationship gives you new life because mm. the old one had become stale and, you know, the new one has big promises for pleasure. <laughs> and... On and on it goes, and as the body gets older, of course, which is inevitable, you know, and our senses are less able to enjoy, mm -hmm. and, you know, the things that used to give us life are no longer accessible, mm -hmm. and so on, and we start feeling lifeless, yeah. you know, yeah. and it doesn't have to be that, like if, the, you know, I've invested my life and another person and they for whatever reason decide to leave me yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know then i've heard it how many times i'm lifeless i have no reason to live whether it was the person that i invested my life in died you know left their body yeah. or they went off with another person yeah. you know that promised them more happiness than they were getting from me then the feeling is emptiness a vacuum i have no reason exactly. to live exactly see there's no excitement you know in my life and that, so there's the, life is is like that it's because the nature of the soul is to be happy and joyful and fulfilled and satisfied you know and and that's not going to go away because that's our eternal nature that's not going to stop yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. the person in the old body, you know, which has lost all facility to, you know, enjoy many in all the different ways, mm. still has that need and desire. They just don't have the machine that can perform that anymore, yeah. you know. And then the mind starts going and, you know, Everything starts closing down by nature's arrangement. I mean, you know, physical bodies are temporary and they all come to an end. And, you know, then things just start fading away, you know. 
and you get more and more frustrated because you can't and you're more and more frustrated and what 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 used to bring you happiness can no longer do it like your sexual organs yeah. start so they have to just readjust you know like i said the humans can adjust to basically anything or like a person in in the young stage of life the prime of his body yeah you know But you know he's a he's a skier, and you know he's not only a skier, but he's, you know, very advanced in, you know, the park terrain, mm. flips, and you know all this. He comes up short on a jump, breaks his spine, and he's paralyzed for life. Mm. Now it happens all the time. Yeah. I mean, this is nothing unusual, whether it's in sports or in war or car accidents or whatever. Happens all the time. So he's got one of two directions to go. He's got to just go crazy, basically, or he's got to just completely reprogram everything in his head. You know, he's got to adjust to his new reality. You know, he can see it as such a negative, I can't do this, I can't do that, become completely you know, depressed and, you know, you know, turn to alcohol or drugs or whatever, whatever, you know, try to just bore it out. Yeah. Or you can just adjust to the new reality. Yeah, yeah. You know, it used to be like this, now it's like that. Yeah. So let's let's just get on with life, so to speak, mm. with what we have to work with. And that, that reminds me of my, my cousin, actually. He is like... Well, now he's such an inspirational speaker and adventurer. But he, when he was eight, he got—I can't remember what cancer he got first. But he got two kinds of cancer when he was when he was young, like eight, and then he got again at eleven or something. And so many that at it as it at his age, and so many that 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 happens to you, just kind of like give up. Like you feel—I guess you feel like a victim. You feel like this didn't. I I didn't deserve this, and now I'm just like suffering as a, as a victim. But he was really, yeah, just <laughs> full on. Took I mean he 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 was into Paralympics, and and he was he's climbed the highest mountain in Sweden without legs, like dragging himself up to the highest <laughs> peak in Sweden and wow. things like that. Just like really really inspirer and trying to show others now he's living from like seven seminars where he's speaking to people on inspiration and yeah just that's that's the thing like you have sort of it's i don't know what it is but some people seem to have that kind of like spark they just and i'm not saying you know obviously he's maybe not right in everything he's doing but at least he has that spark he, he's not satisfied with just like and again like good enough but he He sees like life is so much more, and he wants to give that to others. He wants to help others that are, have that been in that situation too as well. Like, yeah, go yeah, yeah, yeah. He's inspired. Yeah, <laughs> and his his focus is now on other people yeah. and helping them get through whatever obstacles and hurdles that they've got to go through. Totally. You know, they're difficult times. You know, and so that's good. But all these material solutions are not really the ultimate answer, you know. In other words, we are spirit souls, and we need to start addressing that reality, you know, because we're so stuck in the material, and 
I'm the body, and now my body's, you know, paralyzed or, you know, incapacitated and so on, you know, but you can work with what you got kind of thing and, exactly. and get something out of this world from another way, yeah. Yeah. you know. So I want to inspire you to, to get, you know, your happiness from just being you. All right, just you, you know, not trying to achieve some great goals, which you can't do now, but just be yourself and so on. But eventually it has to go beyond that because that is limited. You know, it, it's a limiting philosophy. Well, it is. And it's good as far as it goes, but it's very limited and it's based on an, a, a misconception or an untruth that, you know, I'm this body. Exactly. Because we have to go. Because, yeah. because, because you do the best that you can with that body. And they say like, okay, so you, so you lose your legs. Okay, you do Paralympics and you're just as good now because now you can perform in that way. You know, yeah. you're just as good because of your body, basically. Because you're yeah. still like... And, and the things. mind has become stronger yeah. and able to overcome, yeah, you yeah, know, exactly. this... This upset, exactly. you know, this unexpected upset, mm. you know, well, a challenge that I met and I dealt with, and now, da-da-da. But there's mm. more. But the spirit soul needs spiritual love, spiritual life, spiritual truth, see. Mm. So all the things we call life is just a, a temporary solution which isn't really a solution. It's an attempt to be truly happy and truly satisfied from a material source. You know, whether the body's perfect and I achieve all the goals I set or it's imperfect in so many different ways, it's, it's, it's still the same. I'm still using this material world as my means to be happy. See, and my place in it and my ability yeah. to function in it successfully, exactly. you know, successfully. Exactly. But all that comes to an end, you know, and, and I have to leave this body, yeah. you know. Well, now, whether that body's one way or another way, I am still the same person. And if I have just focused my whole attention on this world and this body and you know, my accomplishments or lack thereof or whatever, mm -hmm. relationships that are temporary and on and on, then I have to just take another birth in another material body, which is also temporary. It's also filled with, you know, defects, and it's also going to cause me trouble and, and just stay on the wheel of birth and death and Go through the whole scenario again, you know, and then again, and yet again, and yet again. So, I'm, you know, they they use the example of the the squirrel on the wheel or the hamster on the wheel. It just runs, 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 and goes nowhere, you know, because, you know, I'm I'm not really going anywhere. I, the spirit soul, I'm still not really going anywhere. Maybe I change rooms, you know, in the big hotel of life, yeah, yeah. but I'm just in another room. And maybe it's a better room. Maybe it's a, not as good a room for my material mm. enjoyment, mm. you see. 
Maybe I've got less facility. Maybe my, you know, awareness is much more dull, like the person in a tree body is, is you know, close to being unconscious, yeah. you know, compared to, say, a person in a human body. Yeah, you know, that's why they're so tolerant. I mean, you can, you know, basically do anything to a tree and it doesn't oh, yeah. even protest. Just like you. It doesn't. Like an, an unconscious person wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, it it doesn't really have any facility to defend itself, you know, except what nature has given it. Some trees give off a certain odor to keep exactly. the bugs away, exactly. and some have really thick bark. Yeah. So when the forest fire comes through, you know, it doesn't burn them up. But that's just nature's arrangement. It gave them that that protection, see. But, you know, it's it's not the goal for the soul. See, that's where the Vedic understanding comes in and is, is so superior. You know, not only does it tell us what life is, it's us, it's our eternal identity, but what is the point? What is the purpose? Exactly. See, because life exactly. is eternal, so is the purpose just existence? Well, the, yeah, because you know? like it said in the scientific article, like the word life might be better cast as a verb to reflect its essential status as a process. Like it's a... It's a you know, yeah, is it just to exist? What is that process? Yeah, just to like maintain itself without. Yeah, and and you know this article and and you know most of the scientists and so on, they don't even include the concept of reincarnation and no. the wheel of birth and death and just going through the next life and you know in another body. It's displaying the symptoms and whatever you know, was described in the article and in the next one. and You know, but is that what the soul's real destination should be? You know, is that why we exist? And the answer is no, it's not, you know. And so the, the Vedic knowledge starts putting forth the ideas of beyond the material world, beyond the wheel of birth and death beyond the world of the senses and the sense pleasures and the mind and the intelligence and the amazing abilities to, to speculate and figure things out or not, depending on what body I'm in, yeah. you know. It goes beyond all of this and begins to, to funnel or provide us with information about the spiritual world, see. And, you know, this is... Is described very clearly our real home. Which we know See, nothing about. You know, we call home the house I live in. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're you're living in your home. This is my home. But really, if you look at it a big picture, you know, the the material world is our home. You know, on the on the large scale, as long as we have this material consciousness and identify in the material way and try to find our, our happiness in the material world with material desires that we try to fulfill and et cetera, et cetera. So really that's our temporary home. It's not a real home, see. Our real home is in the spiritual world. In other words, this is our real place of being, our real place of existence. This is the soul's natural home. And it makes sense. I mean, doesn't that sound right? Yeah, spirit yeah, yeah. soul in the spiritual world? Yeah. 
<laughs> well, that, that sounds right. That connects. <laughs> Spirit, soul in the material world. Hmm. Doesn't really sound correct. Like a fish yeah. out of water. But we try to make it work, you see. You can put the two together, but it never really, you know, mixes. Like oil and water. You can put the two together, but they never really mix. Mm -hmm. You mm. know. There's mm. two separate things here. Spirit, soul encompassed or surrounded by material energy. Yeah. And there's two contradictions here. Eternal soul in a temporary world. So no matter what your perspective is, we're always struggling against time. The time factor, see. Like it's... And the time factor in the material world, as described by the Lord in Bhagavad Gita, of, of <clears throat> subduers, I am time. Time subdues everything. Hmm. See, we can't overcome time. You can't stop time. No. <laughs> you know? But people are trying to do that. The scientists say, well, how can we defeat aging? Yeah, exactly. exactly. You see, maybe there's a gene that we can find and, and understand if we do this and that with that, then we can defeat aging. And on and on and on it goes. But reality is they'll never be successful. Justice, I will never, never. be successful in inventing, I mean, putting together matter and making life. Well, they never have been, and they say that's where life came from, you know, but of course that's an absurdity. Life comes from life, and that's what we see everywhere. A living organism creates another living organism, hmm. right? Yeah. That means a soul in this body coming together with an appropriate soul in another body yeah. produce offspring. Yeah. 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 It doesn't, like a dead tree doesn't give life to <laughs> another tree. No. You know, a dead body, you can p have a morgue full of corpses, male and female, <laughs> you know, equal numbers of each, you know, but they never reproduce. <laughs> you know, you don't open up the vault one day and look inside and there's a baby, <laughs> you know. Oh. It just doesn't work like that. Life comes from life, <laughs> you know. So... That's mm -hmm. how we have to, to accept life is the source of life. And life comes from the source of everything, and that's the supreme life. And this is a difficult subject for so many people, which it shouldn't be. It should be an open subject. It should be, you know, an exciting yeah, 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 yeah. subject that we want to, you know, not only take in and accept, but embrace. Yeah. Yeah. It should be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, you know, as we go further and further away from the truth, you know, into our new reality of matter, we reject it. You know, we feel uncomfortable with it. Yeah, and it's been so contaminated. Yeah. That idea has been so, it's been kind of been stolen, just like, you know. So many things when we when we do webinars or we do we mark our, our things like we can't even use the word happiness because they've stolen that concept and it feels like we can't even use it anymore because people think they know what that means when you say that word. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it means sensual pleasure. Uh -huh. Exactly. <clears throat> you know, you give a lecture, happiness, or where is happiness to be found? Yeah. You know, and they come expecting you to give them some insight into how they can enjoy their senses in a way that they don't know about yet. Exactly. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah. Maybe you got some secret. Maybe you got some drug. Maybe you got some exercises. Maybe you got <laughs> some secret place that they can go to. You know, something that they haven't discovered yet that you have, and therefore you can turn them on to that. Exactly. <laughs> and when they hear what we're, we're really well, saying, they're disappointed. You well, know? you have a well, secret, but it's not what they think. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, I didn't come here for that, you know. You didn't tell me anything I wanted to hear. But but that's exactly what I was going to say the last podcast, and I didn't have time. Like, any honest person would say, I want to know the truth. And I don't care if it's blue, white, black, up and down. I just want to know the truth. And that's like, I'm not satisfied with anything else. And whatever the truth is, that's what I'm going to be looking for. I mean, shouldn't that, like, that's science as well. That's a scientific approach. Like, I don't care about what anyone said before or what I believed before. We're, we're going to investigate what the reality is and I'm going to follow that. Like, I'm going to accept that when I find the proof that is providing me, like, in that specific direction. And the same with this concept. Yeah, but, but if we start approaching it with, you got to prove it to me, then our proof, you know, vehicle or mechanism is some kind of proof that I can perceive with my senses or mind. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and spiritual truth is is not subject to that experimentation. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah. And therefore, you know, you're prone to say, well, it's not true. Mm-hmm. You didn't prove it. <laughs> you know. So, you know, I that's what that's the way many people approach the subject of God you know, supreme being, can you prove there is a God? You know, show me proof. You know, like in the laboratory, look under the microscope and there's proof that this is that, or or look through the telescope and there's proof. You see, and they're thinking that you can prove the unknowable spirit in this way, and you can't, you know. Mm. God is only known through Devotional service is declared again and again and again in many, many different scriptures of truth. God is known, only known through devotional service. When you please God, he reveals himself. So he's the one who decides who he allows to know him or not know him. He's not a static personality that I can just, you know, climb some ladder or break through his doors and... You know, find some way to film him through from a drone or whatever. You know, I mean, in other words, he's not subject to our invasion. You see, he's the one who holds all the cards. And he can reveal himself to those who approach him with humility and love and devotion. And then he reveals himself to them, see, in their heart or otherwise it's up to him see Mm. or he doesn't reveal himself so the person who's coming there with arrogance i'm going to find you prove to me you exist you know if you're real show me this kind of arrogant approach they'll always be defeated they will never see god exactly and they think that they have the proof then they think that they're proven (laughs) So that's the proof there is no God. Yeah. <laughs> you see. <laughs> well, so, you know, it's a whole other approach that, you know, many people are not even interested in. 
you know, humility is not a, a real popular subject. No. <laughs> you know, going lower is not a real, you know, direction people are trying to go in. You know, it's arrogance. It's being bigger and better and, you know, more dynamic and more self-assertive and, you know, just I'm the guy kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. You know? And anybody that's humble, then the, the, the strong see that as a weakness. Yeah. Humility is, is seen as a weakness. Yeah, yeah. And they try to just overpower them or exploit them or sweep them under the rug or whatever they decide to do with them, yeah. you see. But actually, those who are truly humble, you know, have defeated these people <laughs> <laughs> over the years, exactly. Exactly. you know. Because our idea of humility is some little mouse, you know, that's shy and timid and afraid and, you know, peeks out of his hole in the wall, you know, you know, and when he sees any movement of anybody or anything, <laughs> runs back in and hides. Yeah. And they think, that's humility. I don't want to be yeah. like that, <laughs> sure. you know. But the most humble means humble in front of the supreme person. You see, humble in regards to what? You know, in regard to the Supreme Lord. He is known as the greatest, the most wonderful, and natural feeling of humility occurs. In that relationship. In that relationship, mm. you know. Because you know, we've, we've talked about the, the, the mountaineer on the, you know, the mountain. Yeah you know, in the middle of nowhere, mm. and he feels humbled mm. by the mountain or by nature in general. Exactly. The vast expanse of exactly. the ocean or the sky or the, exactly. the mountains or whatever, because here's something so much bigger than I am yeah. and really yeah. so much more powerful than I yeah. am. Yeah. Yeah. No matter how powerful I may be, this is much, much more, more so. Yeah. Which were, um, and so it just creates a feeling of humility. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is natural when you're in that environment, which we're more and more removed from as well, to get back to what you said before, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah our natural. Yeah. And with that feeling of humility also comes respect. Exactly. See? So these true nature people, outdoor people, whether they're mountaineers or surfers or skiers or yeah. whatever they yeah, are, yeah. they also have respect. Respect yeah. for the mountain and respect for nature and respect yeah. for the creation, you know. And some of them even take it to the, you know, level which it should go to is respect for the creator. Yeah. I mean, this they they start understanding this just didn't happen from nothing. Exactly. <laughs> you know, never... their experience is so profound and so purifying that they start understanding there's a perfect creator behind this. Without his creation, I would not be able to experience what I'm experiencing from the creation. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they develop a higher respect, you know, and maybe awakened, you know, interest in coming closer to that. And they don't know what it is. They may call it energy yeah, yeah. Uh, many times. Some do, some don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They may call it energy. They may call it a superior force. They may call it whatever, you know. And then they may go, you know, more and more and learn that there's a person behind the yeah. energy and behind the force or behind, you know, 
that unlimited dimension. Yeah, I, I, I saw the video that you, you tipped me about, what, that, that you said that I could watch the one about Journey Reward. Um, journey Reward, Journey is larger than the reward. That's what it's called. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh-huh. a good example of two people that are really, what's his name? Um, yeah, you know. Jeremy. Yeah, you know, Simon. it's the journey, you know, and the reward will be there. You know, you take the journey, you get the reward. Mm. <laughs> and again, that's that's spiritual life. Mm. You know. Let's let's start the journey, you know. It's an unknown journey and we don't know where it's going, you know. Information is available, but you know, let's say we're not either exposed to that or we're not ready to just accept that. Yeah. But let's start the journey, mm-hmm. you know. Let's move one step at a time, you know. Because we're all on a journey, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, nobody can say they're not on a journey. Journey through time is automatic. Because <laughs> time, you you uh, time is You ticking. can't get off. <laughs> the clock is constantly. <laughs> yeah. New day. You know, so we're on a journey, so let's let's just make it a real productive journey, you know. Mm. And uh, that that's again what we're trying to encourage people to do. Yeah. You know, and exactly. just like in your hatha yoga programs, I mean, you're encouraging them to to begin another journey. Or the same journey, but another direction. Yeah, you know, <laughs> true. You know, yeah, take it's, a new direction, and and many people yeah. uh, take to the process. Well, many people think they. It's like the video that you have about the bridge of change. Many people look at that change and they just like say, "Oh, that's not for me. That's too complicated. I'm too stiff. <laughs> I can't. I can't do that. Like I, I can't start even." And some people they they try to do it a little bit, but. Uh, there's not enough excitement. I don't, you know, it's too like it's same thing, and it's not like yeah, uh, it's not for me. But a, a few people really, yeah, like you say, they take it and. Well, another point you just brought up in my mind. You said it's not enough excitement, and this is a problem. This is a big problem, and I'll tell you what the problem is. We've been so overstimulated. You know, that, you know, everything has to be so stimulating and so exciting, you know, for the mind and the senses. See, we're so wrapped up in the external that we've lost contact with the internal. Yeah. The, the simpler things, the quieter things, you know, we're looking for the, you know, rush, the bang, you know, the fireworks. You know, the sense overload. I remember reading, you know, some years ago, uh, one person who makes uh, movies, ski movies, extreme Mm -hmm. ski movies. He said, you know, it's almost gone past what we can do. Because the audience has become what used to be amazing. Like I can remember back in 19... 
19, let me think about it, 80s, the, the, the early to mid to late 80s, and maybe even into the early 90s. You know, the simple, what would be called the simplest things, you know, like there was a, a, a guy, you know, and he was the, one of the founding extreme sport skiing athletes. Mm. And he was jumping off cliffs at Squaw Valley, California, you know, and it was being filmed, you know, and you were just going, wow, man, look at that, you know. And, you know, in, you know, various movies, he would be starred. And that was his main thing, jumping yeah. off of cliffs, you know. <laughs> and Scott Smith was his name. Like in winter and, was, and snow and, and dropping? Sort of? Yeah, yeah, skiing. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, just mm. skiing off. Yeah. And uh, so we were just, you know, really, really excited about that. That was so dynamic, so entertaining, so extreme. <laughs> yeah. And if you watched that same movie now, it would be so ho-hum. Exactly. You know, like, exactly. oh, man, is that all you, you can do? Exactly. I mean, the guy wouldn't even get an honorable mention anywhere, <laughs> you know? So that's what this guy was saying. Things have gone so far, and actually in a relatively short period of time, that the audience... To make a movie that's attractive to the audience, you got to put the athletes in such extreme danger. Exactly, exactly. You know, to even make people take notice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and he didn't like doing that. He he felt, you know, like I don't want to be the guy who's who's doing this. Yeah. Mm. You know, but it's if I'm going to continue in this profession, that's the direction I have to take, and the athletes have to step it up. And be willing to take that risk, wow. you know. And so they had to start paying the athletes more money, of course. And you know, where, where does it the end? whole thing? There's no end. And where it. does it end? You know, more deaths and you know, more broken bodies and you know, and, and you know, a guy goes and risks his life, you know, to entertain a crowd of guys who don't know him or care about him, you know. So anyway, the, the point is that our senses have become so overstimulated and so jaded that when you start talking about internal happiness, they can't even relate, you know? Hmm. Like, it's just, there's nothing going on there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like boring. Yeah. This is boring. You know, like, you got anything else? You know, got any drugs I can take to kind of help me through this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe I can fire it up a bit. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's yeah. a problem in society today. And so instead of going to that inner quiet place, you know, we we don't want to go to that inner quiet place. You know, so we just go into the 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 depths of depression. Exactly. You know? And the dark place. I mean, nature, you know. I mean, look where you live. Come on. And, you know, any of us who've spent a lot of time out there know there's such a, a feeling in nature that you can't get in the city yeah. or, or wherever. And if you're by yourself or with a few close friends, it's even more so. Yeah. Right. But many people go to nature and they don't even want to go or see no reason to go if they can't bring... They're cooler full of alcohol, 
They can't bring their boom box. Exactly. If they they got to have a cell phone connection. Exactly. You know, and all of this city stimulant, exactly. you know, craziness. And if they don't have that, they won't. They, why go? Yeah, they're like bringing you know? their bubble, their world into that world, trying to like. Yeah. But why would you yeah. want to remain in that world? Why would you? I mean, that's why you go to nature because you want to get out of that world. You want to get to that. See, but they, they don't know what to do out there. Yeah. It's too quiet. It's exactly. too peaceful. It's 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 <laughs> it's too nice. You know. We don't. I remember this this close friend of mine and she was living in uh where was she living at that time i think boston or new york and she came out to visit and you know the first night you know she couldn't sleep you know we were camping it was like wonderful you know she couldn't i said how, how did you sleep and i couldn't go to sleep it was too quiet oh wow you know wow. too quiet wow she's used to traffic and sirens and you know all the normal things in the city and out there where there was just nothing you know she couldn't sleep it's like you're con so conditioned by the material world and all the experiences you have here that you can't really enjoy the real deal yeah so when you right. start talking about people going into a spiritual exactly dimension exactly. Or, or taking a spiritual journey yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's like Oh, hum, well, okay, I'm doing this. <laughs> but our process, as, as, as we know, is, you know, really fun because we channel a lot. You know, we're singing, we're dancing. It's like a party, which people, you know, love parties, you see. But, you know, it, it's a spiritual party, yeah. you know, spiritual sound vibration, the mantras. You know, amazing camaraderie. You know, people like to dance. The music is, you know, you know, sometimes very, very <laughs> dance music. You know, and the, and the, and the friendship on that level is completely different. Like I really just again and again like feel that I can be myself among those people that that live yeah. like this. You're not trying to to show off and be somebody. And maybe in the beginning you come and you're. You're trying to be cool and show people, yeah, yeah, you know, your your cool moves, of and, course. you know, whatever. But you know, pretty soon you realize that you don't care. They don't care. No, you know, they're not they're not there for you and your moves. You know, they're tapped into a higher source. You know, and that that's where they are, and they're glorifying, you know, the Lord through transcendental sound and dancing, and and so you just kind of you know have to understand yeah and and you get into it you know do, because you know you're surrounded by a different energy in all ways the people's attitudes and and the transcendental sound itself and and the whole purpose and and it just has an amazing result well, which which brings us maybe to the end of the discussion in terms of transcendental sound being life itself which may be something that transcendental can... sound is life itself, and let me explain why. You know, because the origin of life is the supreme life, the supreme person. Mm. Without life, we're talking about a person here. There's no such thing as impersonal life. <laughs> life is personal, although 
you know, one can see it as an impersonal force, and that's another whole subject. You know, but really, the source of all of that is the supreme life, the supreme person, you know. So, the material world, everything there in this absolute realm, is the opposite of the material world. We've said that many times. So, the, the name of the object and the object is the same in the spiritual world, in the absolute world. Mm -hmm. There's not a separation between the name and the object. Yeah. Whereas in the material world, it's completely a separation. There is, there's not the same. Yeah. You see, in other words, the name banana and the object banana are different. <laughs> so if I'm hungry and I actually have a taste for a banana, I want a banana right now. I can go banana, 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 till I go bananas and I'm still not fulfilled. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get any food here. <laughs> you see? I got to go get that object banana, peel it, exactly. and eat it. That's the like banana. Banana is a symbol, like the name is a symbol of the thing. Yeah, it it's a description, a symbol. Yeah. You know, it's a nomenclature that's been placed on that particular fruit. Exactly. Yeah. It's different, yeah. it's separate. Whereas in the spiritual world, the name of the object is the object. So the mantras we chant are names of the Supreme Lord. He's non-different than his name. The Lord is the source of life, therefore his name is life itself. Therefore, when I come in contact with this life, this transcendental sound, I receive life, I get enlivened. This is life. And that's why one who is more sensitive or more uh, receptive to or, you know, open to this truth actually mm -hmm. experiences life from that transcendental sound, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And that's life. And, and it's eternal. It doesn't go away. You yeah. see, it's not because I project life onto it. You know, we say it's a live band. Oh, there's a live band playing tonight. It's not a recorded sound. It's live. I can go watch that. I'm projecting. It's happening right now. I'm projecting, you know, pleasure on it or whatever, see? Wow. But the other department I'm referring to, transcendental sound is not projected life. I'm not projecting anything here. It's there, it's present, hmm. and it has its effect. Wow. I don't make it work, see? and it's all purifying. I don't make it work. I don't have to think it's purifying me. Exactly, exactly. It is automatically so. I don't have to think that the sun is having its effect on me. See, it is. That's why we get sunburned. <laughs> yeah. so I'm going to think the sun won't burn me today, so I'm not going to use any sunscreen. I'm going out. It's going to be a very bright day on snow. It's going to reflect, but it's no worry because I'm thinking it won't burn me. It burns you anyway. <laughs> it has nothing to do with what I think. <laughs> <laughs> A friend of mine, he was uh, like doing 
you just reminded me about it. He was doing research on, on glaciers in north of Canada. And he said it was the sun was so strong in the middle of summer when he was like on this glacier that he, well, first of all, they burnt the inside of the nose. And second of all, the inside of the eyelids. So like, even though you'd have sunglasses, a little bit of sun would seep through the bottom. Wow. It would burn. The upside of your eyelids would burn. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's intense. <laughs> that's, that's, well, <laughs> just, just thought about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. So yeah. the potency is automatically in the sun, and yeah. the potency is automatically in transcendental sound. And that's yeah. life. But you've got to be a little receptive, you see, to, to experience that. You know, it's not that it's not working. But you've got to have a, a little extra, you know, perception, and that comes from purification. Hmm. You know? Yeah, I know our time's running out, so. Yeah, we should have a little kirtan and just end it <clears throat> yeah. like we usually yeah. do. It's so nice. Yeah. It's funny, I feel free to. No, what were you going to oh, say? It's funny how time goes so quickly. You know? I know, I know. We were we were thinking of having two topics today, but we're going to save the because you we have a lot of like loose threads in the terms of sensitivity. You said like being hard skinned, we might be able, we might need to be hard skinned to deal with this world, and we're overstimulated. So it just leads me into the track of what we're going to speak about next week, which is uh, sensitivity, the benefits of being sensitive, and how we deal with it in this world. Yeah. Okay, so our mantra is always, because it's simple, we don't want to do anything complicated, it's simple, <laughs> two words, Goranga and Haribo. And all you have to do is listen when I chant and then repeat. Just repeat whatever I chant. And I have my friends here at Chintamani Studio, they'll be repeating. See, responding to my chanting, and you just chant with them. And of course, Ruben will be chanting as well. Chanting as well. And just try to, let's say, enter into the sound, or just kind of not think about all these things. Just one thing Goranga Haribo.
Okay, so that is Sankirtan. Sankirtan is congregational chanting. Two or more people come together and chant the mantras. And it's fun. (laughs) Easy, fun, (laughs) enjoyable. Yeah, easy, fun. Yeah. That's what we do. We do that a lot. We chant on a daily basis. And, you know, we, you know, entertain these truths and try to, you know, implement them in our life. Mm. And life becomes, you know, very different, very simple. (laughs) You know, hey, (laughs) why not? Simple living, high thinking. (laughs) Simple living, high thinking. That's a Vedic axiom that if taken to heart, will certainly make a difference. Simple living and high thinking. <laughs> oh. Okay, Ruben, I've got to depart and yeah. leave that North Tromsø beautiful <laughs> setting. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to send you, because I did a hiking trip two days ago or one day ago. Yeah, I told you. So I'm going to send you. We made some little video for you so you have some more. Oh scenery to enjoy oh great yeah, <laughs> yeah we're Sunday. going out tomorrow and try to 
try to spend the day in the mountains. Yeah, it's going to be cold. It's going to be snowing. It's going to be uh, foggy, and it's going to be great. <laughs> cold, foggy, <laughs> snow, great. <laughs> oh yeah. That's what normally, you know, most people wouldn't call that fun. My dad is like, you know, why would you, why would you like voluntarily go out and torture yourself? He says when I say something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Well, good. Nice. Okay. So again, yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll be back next week. We'll be back next week. Thanks okay. to all. Thanks to everyone joining. Thanks to our technicians. So that's what we had for today. Now get out there and make that change that you're longing for. Apply this knowledge, help others, and live a life that is truly worth living. And remember to stay true to yourself, dare to break trails.